Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Come on around back Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock for Saturday of the month. That means we're at the Urban Farm with Farmer Greg. And we uh, we really don't need those sprinklers this morning. You can shut those off. We got a little bit of, uh, you know, let, let's save the water because it came out of the sky this week. There you go. It was uh, a nice little rain at about 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon in the backyard of the Urban Farm. It was coming down pretty hard and the sun was shining those are always fun those are always fun yeah. uh, and you just stick your head out and smell the wet desert just something re- we we're, we've got regenerative on here and that that rain regenerates my soul yeah, big time <laughs> well you know the curious thing i didn't know this until a few years ago but with the lightning apparently the lightning activates nitrogen in the sky and so uh, then when it rains, it picks up the nitrogen, the rain picks up the nitrogen out of the sky and brings it down to our gardens. And had a nice uh, lightning show last night from yeah. our patio. Yeah. So beautiful, beautiful time of the year for Arizona. This is this is when uh, mm-hmm. getting through the last three weeks pays off. You get yeah. to enjoy the what a, what a wet, moist Arizona monsoon feels like. It's, yeah. it's enjoyable. Today's topic, you've got forces composting, but if you'd like to talk to Farmer Greg about your urban farm or ask questions, uh, the topic is compost, but he can answer all kinds of questions about, uh, you know, all urban farming, gardening, fruit fruit trees, trees, animal care, 1-888-767-4348, that's 1-888-ROSIE4U, text questions, 411-923, or you can email info at rosieonthehouse.com if you need to snap a picture and send it, you can do it that way. Where are we starting on the compost? Well, that's a good... Six months ago? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's how long it takes to make compost. Um, you know, and the, really the big conversation that I get a lot from a lot of people is, I've got kitchen scraps and I want to compost. And we're going to, you know, we're going to kind of boil that down. If you want to compost and you just have kitchen scraps, you don't want to compost. You want to do something other than composting. Because generally composting is known as thermophilic or hot composting. And you need lots and lots and lots of organic matter in order to make that happen. And most households just don't have that. So organic matter you yeah. could go to your local dairy and pick up lots of organic <laughs> matter if <laughs> yeah that could that could absolutely work goat goat poop is great for that um leaves and uh, kitchen scraps and i actually pick up and I'm, I'm on my way out of here today to go pick up probably 10 buckets of food scraps from a restaurant that i use in my composting system so perfect everything the kitchen has left over. this isn't stuff that made it to a plate and then no. done this is what's left in the kitchen from preparing exactly (laughs) nice exactly so i want and we're going to get to a lot of that but i want to really kind of distinguish the difference between uh, non-regenerative composting and regenerative composting Um, and what i want to do first is i want to kind of decipher what regenerative means And, and in our culture Um, we've taken on this banner in the past 20 years called sustainable. And sustainable is a nice step in the right direction. But in my 
world sustainable simply sustains the mess we've created for ourselves. Because sustainability things just they don't do anything to fix the problems. They just they just uh, kind of push the problems off. And when I say that, uh, you know, if we're recycling plastic, uh, there's not a big market for plastic right now. And um, what else could we do at our, you know, at our house, we eliminate plastic as much as possible and we use glass. So there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at regenerative. The big way is, is that in our human system, you know, what humanity has created, everything in my world around that is degenerative, which means that it breaks down over time. And it takes money, time, and energy to keep things up, like our roadways and our buildings and our uh, cars and this chair that I'm sitting at will eventually be trash. And so I call those degenerative systems. And regenerative systems, for regenerative systems, we look to nature and see how nature works with them. Because in nature, you get this circular thing going on, right? It's this um, system that just self-perpetuates itself. So for me, I look to permaculture. I like to call permaculture the art and science of working with nature. I like to look to nature to see what kind of systems, these circular systems or regenerative systems we can capture. And what I study is called permaculture and I implement permaculture at the urban farm. And so when I'm looking at my composting systems at the urban farm, it looks like this. So we have kitchen scraps from things that we've harvested out of the yard and, you know, the extra stuff that we have. We uh, have three different households that bring us their kitchen scraps. Plus, as I mentioned, I have a restaurant that I collect food waste from about 10 buckets a week. I wasn't going to do it to you on air, but I'm going to get that name off air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have, ever, have a big line of a gardeners taking your, your secret resource. <laughs> good, 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 good. So I've got all these green scraps that have you know, that I accumulate. Plus I have neighbors trained. They bring in the fall, they bring me their bags of leaves. So now I have my greens and my browns. And for me, regenerative composting at the urban farm looks like this. First of all, the chickens get first dibs on the green scraps. So we have chickens in the backyard. Chickens are great workers in the yard. They uh, eat bugs, they eat weeds, they eat the kitchen scraps and they poop and make nitrogen rich fertilizer. So that's one way I compost at the urban farm. Second way I compost is with worms. I have worm composting. Third way I compost is with black soldier flies. So I do all three of these things before I ever get to actual traditional thermophilic composting. And then everything, the worms and the soldier flies, all that kind of focuses in on the end product, which is my compost pile. And then I harvest that compost out of the compost pile i put it on the garden beds it makes healthier happier food and the process starts all over again so when i say regenerative that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about this system that essentially feeds itself and as a culture moving forward as human beings we need to figure out how to make as many of our systems as possible on the planet regenerative so that they build themselves and 
So I've I've know we've talked about worms an awful lot. What mm-hmm. was the other fly one? Horse black soldier flies. Black soldier flies. Where do you find those? Well, interestingly enough, they just show up in a lot of cases. If you've ever had a compost bin, go to your phone or your computer and look up black soldier fly larvae. You've probably seen them in your compost bin. And are they black or green or what color are they? The the grubs are gray. Uh-huh. And the flies themselves, they look more like a a wasp, hmm. but you'll never see them inside. They hide, they hide underneath leaves and they're they're solitary uh, flies, and rarely will you ever see one. Wow. And the cool okay. thing about black soldier flies is they will consume twice their weight in food waste every day. The end product for us is the chickens like the black soldier fly grubs. They go nuts over them. Uh, so it's a protein source for the chickens, and then you have a, just as with worms, you have uh, worm castings or worm poop, with black soldier flies, you have black soldier flies poop, which is called frass in this case, which is uh, a nutrient for your garden. Great question. <laughs> black soldier flies, worms, chickens. Yep. And then re- the compost pile. And then the compost pile. And but, so how much do you have to constantly add to make sure you've got compost end product? You know, you, you're, you're taking... <clears throat> 50 pounds of, of kitchen scraps and leaves and everything, that that breaks down to, what, like five pounds of compost? Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. So the big thing, and this is, we'll, we'll talk segment four now, actually. We usually touch on this in segment four. And the big thing is, is that if you're going to hot compost or thermophilic compost, it's a, it's a Uh, It's a process. It is a extensive process and you need a lot of organic matter. You know, those 15 gallon tree tubs, (laughs) if you're going to do a successful thermophilic composting project, you really, in order to make it go forward, you need about 30 or 40 tubs of stuff that size. That's a lot of organic matter. The, the where I do thermophilic composting out in my yard is in pallets. So I take, you know, the four by four pallets uh-huh. and I stack, I stand them up on their side and I make a U shape out of them. And then I put the compost in and I put a pallet on the front. So when I am hot composting at the urban farm, my pile is four by four by four. That is 64 cubic feet of organic matter. And the cool thing is, is when I fill it, so I filled it two weeks ago. I filled my compost bin two weeks ago, and I filled it to the top of the four feet. Down when about I, a quarter already? A, a half. <laughs> it's down to two feet. Wow. So what I do for the thermophilic composting at the urban farm is I have all these leaves saved up and sticks and that kind of stuff. That's our, our browns. And then as the greens come in uh, from the restaurant and from the people that bring us the compost, as the greens come in, I put a layer of that on, and then I put a layer of browns. And... Over the course of the next week or so, I'll fill it back up to four feet. And then guess what? In two weeks, it'll be back down to about two feet. It breaks down that fast. And to do a good job of your thermophilic composting, it does take six months. You know, you want to aerate and water the pile and, you know, all that. And we'll talk more about that and composting and your questions at one 767 That's one 888 for you When you hear the auto attendant answer... Just press 1 to bypass that message, and that'll put you right into the studio. We won't hesitate. It cannot wait. 
compost. Straight out of compost. Where he finds these I farmer, yeah, I have no amazing. idea. <laughs> At first I thought, oh, is that a different commercial? Or... <laughs> Love it, Gary. Uh, we are talking compost here at Rosie on the House. It is the fourth Saturday of the month, so we've got Farmer Greg in. And you know, compost, it... I think uh, Eisenhower, our arborist, says this a lot as well, is you know, our job is... Not really to care for the trees. Our job is to manage the soil, Make and then the trees soil. do the rest. And the, yep. that that applies to anything growing. Yep. The single biggest thing you can do to grow healthy, happy trees, plants, bushes, whatever you want to grow, is grow healthy soil. If you have healthy soil, the likelihood that your plants are going to be much healthier is huge. Plus. Healthy soil produces food that tastes better and is more nutrient-dense for us. So, But you, for those listeners out there that listen all the time, that's what I preach about all the time. <laughs> Endless benefits. So, And the, the topic of today is to help you get that perfect compost in six months if you've got the motivation for it or if you're currently composting, maybe something new to our, our new tactic that you mm-hmm. might pick up. Uh, or just a, a, an inspiration to get back out there and fill it back up, as Farmer Greg was saying, his 4 by 4 wood pallet crate two weeks ago was already halfway, oh, yeah. halfway down. It's absolutely amazing. So I want to talk about a permaculture concept that ties directly into composting. It is called stacking functions. And so I went back to, late, back to school late in life, and uh, I never stopped learning. And in the early 90s, I learned permaculture. And in permaculture, I learned this term, stacking functions. I get back to Arizona State University in 1999, and I'm taking this class on transportation planning. I have uh, two degrees in urban planning from Arizona State University. And so one of the classes was, how do we get around in our cities? And one of the concepts that they brought forward in that class was something called trip stacking. And so, you know, here it is. I did my permaculture design course in 1992, and here we are in 1999, and they're talking stacking. Hold on. My, you know, radar goes off. It's like, all right, how does this correlate? Well, trip stacking is something that they talk about in transportation planning where we don't go to the grocery store and come home and go to the drugstore and come home and go to the pet store and come home. We do it as a loop. That's called trip stacking. It makes for more efficient transportation and getting around, right? Saves you time, so on and so on. Stacking functions is that same concept in our yard. And there are so many things in our yard that we can stack functions over. And let's just talk about a chicken. Chickens are our friends in our backyard. There are pets in our backyard and they're workers in our backyard. And so we have this asset called a hen. No roosters in our in our <laughs> backyard. We have this asset called a hen that gives us eggs every day and gives us poop every day. So that's two functions that a hen does in our yard. And then she also digs. They make wicked diggers, eat bugs, eat weeds. Um, I often will put my composting areas 
in the chicken area because they help help keep the bugs down. And then what I'll do— And like ahead. you said, they're diggers, so they're turning the soil for you. You're exactly. not out there with your shovel— Having to flip it or a pitchfork or whatever you're using. Right. Well, and the cool thing about that is, is that all I have to do when the compost is getting close to being ready is I just take the walls down and I let the chickens root through it. They eat the bugs and the weeds and they add their uh, manure along the way and it all gets, um, you know, stirred up nicely. And then I just scoop it up. It's my compost for the yard. So that is the... Um, that's the stacking functions of a chicken is how many things that can that chicken do. So what I really encourage you guys to do is look at your yard. And I tell people this often, spend at least a year in your yard before you make any major changes so that you don't make any big mistakes and pay attention to what's going on in the space and what assets do you have there? In fact, I have to get up on the, it rained a little bit yesterday and that's my indication before the real storms show up, I have to get up on the roof and sweep off the leaves. Now, a lot of people take those leaves and throw them away wherever way is. I'm going to put them in buckets and that's my compost down the road. So I'm, so all of a sudden that tree, I have this huge 60 foot uh, ash tree in my backyard that shades my house in the afternoon. It drops its leaves in this, in the uh, late fall or early winter and that's mulch. This time of year, it's dropping the seeds in an abundance. Again, that's mulch. So I have this tree that's giving me mulch and shade and cooling my house. Um, so that's also called stacking function. So really what I want you to do is go pay attention to what's going on in your yard to see what happens before you make any major changes. Um, and if, you know, you're in a brand new home with a scraped backyard and you're looking for a place to start. That's a completely different topic. That's <laughs> a completely different. And I love talking about that. Uh, if you have a dirt backyard, don't put gravel down. Gravel makes it hotter and less likely to be able to grow anything. What do we put there, Romy? You know this. Woody mulch. How, how, how deep? At least six inches of woody mulch. If you've got scraps you don't want to keep, don't throw them out, just throw them into the compost heap. Yeah, the compost heap. Vegetables so you go to like some... If you don't need them, I sure do for my compost heap. I got a compost heap. Yes? Did you go to some Mother Earth... Music festival with the recording equipment. Well, you know, being quarantined, you got to do something to keep yourself entertained. Well, uh, uh, this is his superpower. The songs yes. that he comes up with are, it's like, where did that come from? I would have thought I'd find something about compost, you know? Right. Not even the Beatles recorded a song about compost. <laughs> Which is our topic of our uh, Farmer Greg Hour here, the fourth Saturday of the month. We, we're talking compost and what we can get in. Uh, you know, if we start today, we'll have good compost in about six months, which is about the time we're planting, you know, a good time for lettuce, yeah, radishes, carrots. Yeah, so all the fall crops we get to start planting in October. And I found that um, a lot of the fall crops that I used to be able to plant in September. It's just too dang hot in September, so I have to push it off to October sometime. Um, but, you know, that compost is great. 
I've got I've got the perfect visual in my yard. Yeah. On the power of compost. Tell me. I've got this 20 by 12, 24 by 12 garden. It's kind of a sympathy garden right now. I just water it out of sympathy for the plants. <laughs> they are really, really struggling right now. The peppers aren't doing too good. The eggplant's not doing too good. The tomatoes, I just need to yank them and pull them. But in the corner is my compost. And I've got the nicest cantaloupe and tomato plant growing right out of that. Con- they are the happiest yep. plants in the whole yard right there. So, baby, I just go down. I water it. Just to keep them going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's amazing to me because when we're putting, you know, all that stuff in the compost bin, seeds get in there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, tomatoes and vining crops and peppers, I've seen all of that. Uh, herbs come out of my compost that, you know. Just perfect volunteers. Perfect let them, volunteers. Let them go, baby. Let the strong survive. Get yeah, on well, with it. <laughs> and that's the thing about volunteers. Generally, the volunteers in your yard are stronger than anything that we plant from, you know, a plant start. So, Well, there could be no more perfect visual representation of the power of compost as a photograph of my garden right yep. now. Gotta love it. So you have some kitchen scraps. What do you do next? And you know, that's really, that's the question I get a lot from people. It's, you know, it's like, how do I do this? And I give a class called non-composting because, you know, we talked about thermophilic composting and the challenges and the amount of material that you need. I would say that 99% of you all out there do not have enough greens and browns in your possession to be able to start hot composting. So given that that's the case, what else can you do? And the simplest thing to do is what I call pit composting. If you have a garden, or really, if you have dirt in your yard and you have kitchen scraps, get a shovel, you know, save them up for a couple of days, get a shovel, dig a little hole, throw the scraps in and cover it up. The microorganisms will show up, the worms will show up and they, you know, they're doing all that work to break it down. And if you have a, you know, a four by eight garden bed and take all your kitchen scraps and do that in your garden bed around your garden plants, your garden is going to thrive. Um, And quite honestly, that is the simplest way to compost. I call it pit composting and it's, you know, it's just pretty straight up. Hmm. I'd never heard of pit composting and you you are right. They just show up. It's amazing how the, the the life just shows up when you start it. The, The animals, the insects, the worms. Uh, the worms. Where did they all come from? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I, you know, I've had people put six or eight inches of woody mulch on their dirt backyard. Remember I mentioned that mm-hmm. earlier? On their dirt backyard, they put a six or eight inches of woody mulch. And within six months, that eight inches is down to four inches. But if you dig down underneath, there's life there. There's worms that show up. And it's like, hold on, that was just dirt. And, you know, highly compacted dirt and, you know, nothing really grows in it. But once we start acting, remember I talked regenerative earlier, right? What I'm doing in my yard is a regenerative food forest. I let the leaves fall. I let the uh, grass clippings go in the lawn or put them in the compost. I'm using all of that organic matter to build the ecosystem, just like you would in a forest, You know, I'm looking to nature and forest systems to see how that works. And that's what I'm trying to replicate 
That's what I'm replicating at the urban farm. And that woody mulch, you could get that delivered in bulk pretty easy. Absolutely. Or uh, there's a lot of places if you got a pickup truck, you can put a tarp in your bed, mm-hmm. pull up to a, a bulk spot. The tractor will come with a bucket, dump it right in. Yes. Or, you know, my buddy Brent over at BNC Tree Service and John at Integrity Tree Services has the same challenge. You know, they do a tree job and they chip up all of this woody mulch and they put it in a truck that holds 25 cubic yards of woody mulch. It costs them upwards of, Brent has told me this, it costs them upwards of $500 to dump that at the dump. So there's a service out there called Chip Drop. In fact, I had the founder of Chip Drop on my podcast recently, Urban Farm Podcast. And chipdrop.com, basically you sign up with them for somebody to dump a pile of woody mulch in your driveway in your yard. Thing is, you're going to get 25 cubic yards. 25 (laughs) cubic yards is 8 feet wide, 6 feet tall, and 20 feet long. So it's a lot of materials. But if you have a dirt backyard, the best way to get it activated as an urban farm, as a place to grow anything, really, if you just want to grow some nice plants back there, is to add six or eight inches of woody mulch and do that two or three times. Because, again, remember we talked about the compost dropping in half? Same thing will happen with the woody mulch. And what happens at the interface between the dirt and the woody mulch is composting. And before long, you get this absolutely amazing soil there so that's another way to compost and chip job you're waiting on an arborist to come by and do it so there may be 10 people in front of you you may time it right where Mm -hmm. you know you're he shows up at the end of the day you know you're not sure when that when that comes Uh, and i waited for a year and never got any but there's not a lot of arborists out where i live yeah exactly (laughs) well and that's that's actually changing i like i said i uh, interviewed the gentleman that started chip drop he said as it's expanded over the past couple of years um they actually on their website they say how many days it on average is taking and it's like days rather than weeks or months now so you know and you are out there where you know 243rd avenue Something like that. <laughs> you keep saying woody mulch, so I picture something very fine. But is it full of chips, like when you buy a bag of bark? What does it look like? It looks like chipped wood. Okay, so it Chunk- is chunky. Yep. Oh, it's definitely chunky. And it's uh, full of greens and browns. So what happens is, is as soon as your pile arrives at your house, it starts to heat up. So it's actually, the composting process is actually starting up. Um, and that's part of what has it break down really fast when you put your layers around your basins of your trees, like the pictures you sent me, Romy, uh, of your, you know, your trees and your dog in the <laughs> laying in it, but it starts breaking down really fast. And I've had three people ask me, when did I plant those trees? And Th- they're eight years old. They had never noticed them before. Just oh, wow. The, the way that that. Uh, soil just made the trees pop. Oh. It it really has as healthy as it is for the tree. It, it's very decorative as well. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Plus, it cools the space down. It acts like a sponge. Um, it holds on to water. Uh, it warms, keeps things a little warmer in the winter time if you need that. Basically, you're putting a forest in your backyard when you do that. And then when the leaves drop, save the leaves. Let them. That's your mulch for later on. 
Do you rake your leaves or you just let them sit there? Um, I rake them, actually mow them up because they're heading toward the chicken coop and the chickens will root through them and add a little bit of organic matter or chicken poop. And then that's my stuff that goes into the um, basins around the trees and into my compost bin. Mm -hmm. So all the organic matter, and I have a chipper mulcher, but uh, a majority of the organic matter that I raise at the urban farm either gets chipped or composted. Um, it gets used on site. But even with that mulch, after we just went through 100 plus days of no rain, you don't have to water as much. Exactly. I, you know, Jake Mace, he was uh, the vegan athlete. He had a place out in Tempe, and I was at his house about five, six years ago, and he had he put three feet of woody mulch in his backyard. <laughs> and, you know, and it broke down to eight to 12 inches over time, but um, it hadn't rained in six months at his house. It was like 2014 or something like that. And um, I went there. It was like, February and it hadn't rained since October or something like that. I took stuck a shovel in the ground. I dug down eight inches and it was moist. I said, dude, have you been watering this? He said, no, that's from the rain. That's what happens when we start mimicking forest. That's what happens. And that's why we bring you in every Saturday at the end of the month on the fourth Saturday, talking mm -hmm. urban farming and getting that food forest. Uh, if you've not heard Greg before, his vision is to, basically turn uh turn the metropolitan area into a food forest yep how can we grow enough food in phoenix to feed phoenix it is possible if all of these plants out here all this stuff out here the you know that you see out the window here we've got palm trees and palo verdes Sisu. Uh, and mesquite those all make edibles if we plant the right varieties we can have palm trees that make dates we can have uh, desert trees that make food ironwood and palo verde and mesquite all make food like we need to be paying attention to that. And it's, we saw it. What I've been preaching for years is that most cities have a three-day supply of food. Yeah. <laughs> and we saw that we in sure March. Did. We, we sure saw did. empty shelves in grocery stores. It's what I've been talking about. And so that is the biggest reason we need to make compost, grow healthy soil, and grow our own food. Now, I think some people resist compost because they're under the impression it's smelly. Mm -hmm. It attracts flies and bugs. Mm -hmm. That's the reason I didn't do it for mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. Then I, I, I got to know you and I got scolded by my sister. <laughs> and so then I tried. I haven't found it attracts any flies mm -mm. at all. Nope. And it doesn't have any odor. No. And if it gets slimy, you just have to add some paper Browns. product. Yep. Yeah. I, I love my uh, shredding machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's your document shredder. My document shredder, yeah. And you take that paper and add it to your compost. I, I layer that with all my greens. There you go. It makes beautiful. I'm if I make much prettier compost than I make garden fruit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to finish to figure out how to finish the loop, Greg. <laughs> well, how long have you been composting now? Eight years. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> a nice long time. So the uh, so yes, they don't smell, and they don't they don't attract bugs, um, <clears throat> as long as you're doing it right. If you have a smell or you have bugs, you got to revisit how you're doing your process. It's slimy. It's exactly. Yeah. Here's the <clears throat> thing that I tell people to do, and this is actually the second simplest thing to do, and that's put a worm bin in. 
And you can actually put a worm bin underneath your sink. Inside. I'm going to have you dive into that detail, but of all things we can do here, Rosie on the house, we can't stop the clock. (laughs) Oh, he can compost anything in his marvelous compost bin. Granddad brought it home for me from a journey overseas. When Granddad died from drinking gin, we put him in my compost bin. <laughs> you, you would need a big compost bin to put Grandpa in. <laughs> Jennifer's mic wasn't on. That's terrible! <laughs> well, you know, there are places in the country where I think is in uh, Washington State where you can actually get a permit to bury a body under a tree and uh, compost it. You You're compost kidding. into a tree. I'm not. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I don't know the specifics on that, but I've seen... You know, I've seen um, something on that. Interesting. Yeah. Have you ever heard that Michael Martin Murphy song about reincarnation? Oh, probably. I I was a fan of his in the 70s. (laughs) He talks about how, uh, you know, you die and you're buried under a tree and soon a little flower comes and a horse comes along and eats the flower and then whatever the horse doesn't use, it passes through and he sits there and says, you know, Slim, you really haven't changed all that much. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wow. All right, Brandon's on the line. Wants to talk about composting. Has a question for Farmer Greg. Brandon, go ahead. Hey, yeah. So I was just curious, uh, what would be the best process for harvesting the seeds out of your table scraps, or you know, storing for future use for planting? Oh, and if love it. you know, all the produce that we get at the supermarket, all the seeds that we find in that produce is even you know viable uh, for replanting. Great question. Great and we're going to bring your mic down just because there's a lot of background noise, but we'll leave you on the line and, and take it away. All right. right. Well, so uh, most everything you get at the grocery store has seeds in, that has seeds in it. You can save and plant them for later. Some of them are hybrids. So if you get this perfect, um, perfect squash, it might be a hybrid, which means it's a cross between two squashes. So if you save those seeds, you can, um, you know, plant them and see what comes up. You'll get some kind of squash. Uh, it just might not be exactly what you saw in the store. Surprise squash. Uh, surprise squash. There you go. Uh, you know, it depends on the crop. I often will save seeds from watermelons, from uh, squashes, from melons, from tomatoes. If you get a really nice tomato in the grocery store, uh, save some of those seeds. You just have to let them dry out. Uh, but it's it's really super simple to, uh, you know, kind of intercept the seeds before they head to the compost bin. And like you said, dry them out. They uh, seeds are, are amazing, and seeds. not even just for our, you know, the food we eat, but you know, just this little bit of rain, you're going to see how many seeds were out there on the ground by just, everything that sprouts on yep. every square inch possible. Just the, the the amount of seeds that are just sitting there waiting all <laughs> over the everywhere. Yeah, my main garden bed at the urban farm in the front yard now is ninety percent seeds that I didn't plant. Let's say that rather than weeds. And about 10% stuff that I planted. So uh, nature's amazing like that. Uh, The thing about putting stuff in your compost bin, if you do the thermophilic composting correctly, it gets hot enough and it will kill most seeds. Um, So the seeds that end up in your compost bin weren't, were probably on the outside of the compost bin and, you know, they're just loving the 
you know, loving the soil there. That's exactly where they are. And yeah. right where the little sprinkler hits it every time, gets it all wet. There you go. They are, they are the happiest plants in the whole <laughs> garden right now. Gotta love that. You know, and they're volunteers. You know, they let are. them be. Now, so this tomato plant that's so, so happy and produces, uh, uh, hopefully, you know, it's kind of at the end of tomato season, but hopefully I'll get a few more tomatoes. Those seeds... Then I'll just dry on a kitchen cookie sheet in the kitchen till they're dry, put them in a Ziploc bag and sit them in the refrigerator for six months? Yep. That's it? Absolutely. Okay. Um, tomatoes, the other thing you can do tomatoes is if you get a really good one, squish it out, put it in a glass of water and let it set for 48 hours. The good seeds will fall to the bottom and they call it water winnowing. You just oh. put water in there and pour it off and put water in there and pour it off and then put those on a, a piece of... Uh, um, towel or you know and let them dry just air dry air dry and then stick them in a ziploc bag and put them in a butter shelf in the refrigerator there you go okay there you Very go good. i love it that uh, you've picked up on storing your cool dark your seeds in cool dark and dry from our four years of talking about seeds <laughs> that's right love that. and that reminds me, this is kind of coming to the time of the year. Is there going to be a great um, there seed up? Or is it going to... We've uh, pushed oh, that off because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Great American it's Seed It's hard up, to plan any event right now. It is. It is. The Great American Seed Up, we put 600 people in a room scooping seeds. And I can't imagine that happening the third week of uh, September right now. So we put that off. But we, if you go to greatamericanseedup.org... We've got some really cool things that are coming down the pike that we've decided to replace it with. And a lot of these seeds, all these seeds, they're heirloom seeds. Yeah. Yeah, heirloom seeds. Basically, the they're not hybrid. They're heirloom. So basically, if you get a heirloom seed, you plant it, you're going to get the same plant that you started with. And like you are saying, you'll be able to take the seeds from that plant and yep. just continue to grow from there. Yeah, exactly. So... All right. Well, we'll look for keep us posted on what what gets scheduled there when it all oh, gets open back. I will, up. and we're talking next month. I can't remember what we're talking about next month, but probably fruit trees. Knowing me, so upcoming <laughs> stuff. We have our fruit tree launch that we usually do at North Phoenix Baptist Church. We're doing that on Saturday, September twelfth, and we're doing it live online. So we took that whole event, and we you know we're doing a virtual event rather than an in person event. So we'll still be doing the fruit trees. So you can find out more about that at urbanfarm.org and. You know, I love hanging out and playing with you guys. Thank you so much for letting me be here. Well, thank you for coming and sharing your... How many years of knowledge? I'm not sure you want to admit it, so oh, I, well, I, I pause you myself. Know, I, let's just your say many I'm, years of experience. I'm 60 this, this next year. It's like, oh my gosh. And uh, I started gardening in 74, so...